Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome on the contrary show. It's week 11. I'm Dave Lockhart. With me, as he is every Saturday, Alex Baker. You might know him as the number one ranked DFS player in the world. I know you guys love when I say that. It's got to be done, though, because if you were, you'd certainly mention it, too. Alex, what's going on, man? Not much. Uh, this week, man, it's shaping up to be a good one. I mean, people... Are, are really excited about this week in particular of NFL DFS. We got some some XFL plays. We got some tight ends starting at quarterback. I mean, got to love it. Very happy to have our guest with us, too. Pete Overzet, you know him. If you're on Twitter, you know him. If you watch the Swolecast, you know him. And if you check out his YouTube channel, which you should absolutely do and subscribe to, Peter Overzet, you know it. Pete, good to have you with us, man. I'm about to have some fun here. Yeah, like Alex said, a lot of meme equity on uh, on this slate, and uh, I hope I think I think we do have kind of a skeleton key play that could unlock the slate on Fanduel. Maybe we'll talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, when I first came across Pete Overzet, or was it Pete Manzanelli at the time? Is that right? Is that the right pronunciation of that? Yeah, you you nailed it. Just uh, lean into the Italian side of it, and you got it. I'm doing my best. So. I remember you had, I don't know how long, you had like a thousand subs or a thousand followers on Twitter at the time. You've done a good job of building the brand up, building the account up since. But I remember coming across, this is my first impression of you, was you wearing like a Bulls jersey, shirtless, with the, with the glasses on doing some comedy show in Boston as Pete Manzanelli. That was my first impression of you. Yeah, I uh, I never did stand up. I, I, I did improv, but the one time I did stand up, okay. well, you I were did standing it. up. I did it. No, I did it as Manzanelli the one time I did stand up. So I wrote a stand up set for uh, Pete Manzanelli. Yeah, you can find that on my YouTube channel. And uh, I think the people hated it, but the people online seem to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you and I have an uh, indirect relationship, too, because my the, my beginnings here in the DFS space came with uh, Fantasy Insiders. Got in there at the ground floor with, you know, I'm Kitchen, Davis Maddock, Mr. Tuttle, Dan Gasper. So, you know, we have that connection. There we go. We're like the Eskimo brother equivalent of podcasting. <laughs> Alex, let's jump into it. The first question and the one that everyone's wondering, and they're going to probably ask, why are you talking about FanDuel? Well, we have to. Some people say, why aren't you talking about FanDuel? Others say, why are you? We can't win here, right? It's a lose-lose situation. But on today's show, there's no question. We have to talk about FanDuel. It starts at the tight end position, $4,500. Taysom Hill 
getting the start, ported by Sean Payton, not Jameis Winston. His ownership is coming in egregiously high, the highest on any player we're going to see all season on a main slate. I've been thinking all week about the perfect way to describe Taysom Hill. I think he's a smoke show. <laughs> so, I mean, you got a guy starting at QB, and he's supposed to play all the snaps. I mean, most of the time you roster a QB for, or a tight end for $4,500 on FanDuel, you're lucky if you get two catches for 20 yards. So as long as he doesn't uh, just get something out of the game on the first play, you know, you'll be good. Pete, we originally had him projected. I think it was I think it was just a, a bug. We, we briefly had him projected at 96.5%. Um, we now have him projected, mind you, this is – strictly specifically FanDuel at 71%, which is still insanely high. I know the obvious answer when asking, what do we do with Taysom Hill is you just plug him in, but is there any nuance to this? Is there any differentiation here if you're on FanDuel in tournaments? Yeah, I, I think you just have to do it. It's such an absurd projection. Like when you look, like if you look at floor and ceiling projections, his floor projection is going to be higher than everyone else's median projection. So it's just like, you really need a bizarre outcome. Uh, it's basically hitting like a really tough two leg parlay. You need Taysom Hill to flop and then you need tight end on a disastrous tight end year and disastrous tight end slate to out, you know, have an outlier performance. So that seems like a two leg parlay. I don't want to try to hit. And you know, there will be the naysayers and, and it's good to have naysayers, whether it's in the YouTube comments on Twitter and uh, the super chat uh, providing or presenting us with different perspectives. One of them, and I've seen it already, Alex, I know you saw it as well. Uh, one of them is, well, here's what's going to happen. Sean Payton is just bullshitting, and he really has no intention of running Taysom Hill out there for the majority of offensive snaps. And what's going to happen is that J uh, Jameis Winston's going to come in and get, you know, the majority of opportunities under center while Taysom Hill comes out, starts the game, but is used in a gadget sense through the majority of it. What do you say to that? So I always love a good conspiracy theory, but so the, the way this went down is I think Schefter reported that Jameis Winston wasn't expected to be a part of any sets this weekend. Yep. And then Sean Payton denied all the reports that Taysom Hill was even going to start. So you have to both think that Sean Payton was the source behind Adam Schefter's tweet and also like saying the exact opposite to the public. I mean, now this is getting so complicated. I don't even know like what that would, uh, what the, the natural like uh, end result of that, that thought experiment would be. But I think I'm, I'm pretty set with Taysom Hill at tight end until they start putting some running backs and wide receivers at tight end as well. I like that Alex is doing like, you know, fifth level game theory thinking with Sean Payton. Like he knows that I know that he's going to do this, <laughs> which means that I'm going to do this, but then he knows that. And now I can't play Taysom Hill. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel that way, but I don't know what to think Pete. And, and look, I don't want to belabor the point here, but Coming off of a week where most people would have suggested, especially if you're watching shows, you got to plug Mike Davis in at 4,000. It opens everything up. 
what can possibly go wrong? Well, you know, the first fourth place finisher in the, in the Millie makers still had Mike Davis, but all in all, it wasn't a great performance. You touched on it a little bit, but what is the real difference here for anyone that wants to bring up that and try and draw a comparison between Taysom Hill at a tight end spot and Mike Davis at minimum salary at running back? Yeah, it's just that, you know, they're probably similar points per dollar plays, but the amount of options you had at the running back position that could access a ceiling is just way, way higher. You know, that we don't have, I think if you had Kelsey on this slate, it would be a far more interesting conversation because then it's like Kelsey can outscore Taysom Hill here and you're going to get him at low ownership. Let's rock with that. But that just doesn't exist at the tight end position. Like I said, you know, Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, I think are the two guys that have that kind of equity to get, you know, two touchdowns potentially. But even then that's like what a fifth percentile outcome. It's just super, super uh, narrow to thread. Alex, in this same game, and we're going to talk about a lot today, you guys are familiar with the format. It's called On the Contrary for a reason. We want to give you takes that are contrary to public perception, to what everybody else is doing, and sometimes agree with what the public's doing, agree with some of the highest-owned players that they need to be in lineups. Otherwise, we'll take a look at ways to get different in those games and on this slate. And by the way, if you're uh, just jumping in the room, what's up, everybody? Hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get the 50K, 50,000 subs by the end of the year. That'll be your Christmas gift to us, and it costs you nothing. As a matter of fact, you benefit from it. Because then in the browse feature, we pop up on the recommended feed. We pop up. It's a wonderful thing. And if you hate it, we'll refund your misery. Just click unsubscribe. You never have to see from us again. And while you're at it, subscribe to Pete Overzet's channel as well. Peter Overzet, O-V-E-R-Z-E-T. Check that out as well. Um, Alex, I get back to my point here. Dalvin Cook and, and Taysom Hill on FanDuel are going to make up an insane amount of ownership. DraftKings is a little bit different. But Dalvin Cook is still getting upwards of 35% right now, where in this New Orleans Saints game, Alvin Kamara is getting about a third of that ownership, especially with the idea that uh, that Winston won't be in there and it will be Taysom Hill. How do you kind of come to terms with, with Dalvin Cook's ownership in a great matchup and Alvin Kamara in really any matchup with a non-QB at quarterback? (laughs) Well, I think uh, Taysom Hill is really going to inhibit Kamara's usual path to victory where he gets a lot of receptions because Taysom Hill being more of a read option quarterback, I don't expect him to be throwing the ball short nearly as much as one of the least mobile quarterbacks in the league in Drew Brees. But when they do throw to Kamara, I expect him to be pretty effective because the threat of Taysom Hill running should make uh, the defense open up a little bit. But I just, uh, because Kamara doesn't get most of his points running the ball, is mostly through receiving the ball, that that is a significant downgrade from Breeze, I think. So I'm probably going to definitely, I definitely prefer Cook. I mean, uh, Minnesota is just running the ball at an insane rate. He stands out as a much better play to me. Yeah, he does. And I think we're seeing that reflected in the ownership, Pete. Christian McCaffrey was one of three players priced in the 9K range on DraftKings. He's been ruled out earlier in the week. So now at this point, it's just Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. And then it kind of falls off a cliff. You have Derrick Henry in no man's land there at 8K. His ownership's in the cellar. Then it falls off even further into that low 7K range. So there's a huge gap, not only in ownership with these guys between Cook and Kamara and Henry, but also in price point. Yeah, the one thing I like about Dalvin Cook this week is you can 
you can late swap off of him because he's in the 4 p.m. stuff. So if you want to build lineups with him, there's actually some good pivots there too, where you could go down to Aaron Jones or Zeke Elliott. So you can play what you want in the early slates. If you go chalky, you know, and you hit, well, good, let it ride with Dalvin Cook. But if your chalk flops, then you can pivot off of Dalvin Cook. Whereas if you play Alvin Kamara at around the same price, uh, you don't have that flexibility after. So I'm definitely leaning toward building most of my lineups with Cook and then just knowing I have a decent amount of options with with late swap. In that Dalvin or in the Alvin Kamara game between the, the Falcons and the Saints, Pete, how do you approach the passing game where the ownership here is it's not remarkably high, and you'll hear us reference ownership a lot. It's really extremely important, especially in the 2020 era of DFS. Uh, the Saints overall quarterback ownership on on uh, Taysom Hill is pretty high. We've got him at 14%, even on DraftKings. What are the what's the logic though, as far as the pass catching options go uh, in this offense? Yeah, this one is tough because I'm 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 the same way as Alex, where I have all this uncertainty about Taysom Hill being able to feed Kamara and Michael Thomas. But if you just look at it on paper, I mean, his price has dropped. You know, he's getting a ton of targets. They have a really nice matchup against the Falcons. We're in the dome. And now the ownership has kind of dropped, I think, earlier in the week when it was going to maybe be Winston, it was up higher. So now we're going to maybe get Michael Thomas sub 10% here. I know Alex has him at like 9% right now. I, uh, I might have the stomach for that uh, because I don't think there's the huge opportunity cost. If he was, you know, an extra thousand more, I think it'd be an easy fade. And I think something else too, Alex, is there aren't a lot of good games this week where, you know, you double stack and feel good about it. We'll get to a couple. Uh, we'll get to a couple specific teams that are pretty appealing in that respect, but not that many. There's only one game with the total at 50 or above. The rest are hovering in that high 40s area. Calvin Ridley, though, has been cleared from uh, removed from the injury report. Julio Jones you know, continues to be one of the more dominant forces at his position. There, there is some intrigue to running it back with, with Falcons. But what about Matt Ryan's stacks and getting different where you still have exposure to this game? It's just less to the quarterback position for New Orleans and only one run back with maybe an Alvin Kamara for a Ryan and Atlanta Falcons stack. Yeah, I think the Falcons sack every week is, is pretty solid. And this week uh, with Calvin Ridley coming off the injury, it's a lot of reason to be optimistic that the Falcons can get it done, even though they're facing a tough uh, defense in New Orleans. So I think uh, Matt Ryan's sacks makes sense. Now uh, on the strategy show yesterday with Josh, we built a Matt Ryan sack. And the way I ended up doing it is that I just picked one of Calvin Ridley or Julio, and then I didn't run it back with any Saints. I just feel like the Taysom Hill switch at quarterback means all the all the Saints are overpriced. And if they end up going out and getting 26 points like Vegas projects, then Atlanta should have the motivation to keep throwing the ball a, great, a, a good amount of times. So I think that... Uh, if I am stacking up the Falcons, this might be a situation where I break the rule of running it back. Okay, well, that brings up an interesting point then, Pete. We've got a couple of teams where I think you actually could make that argument. We'll talk about Pittsburgh uh, a little bit later in the show. But sticking with the Falcons uh, at the 1 p.m. hour, are you willing to you know, break that unwritten rule that you would stack a team without a run back option on a slate that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the previous 10 weeks? Yeah, you know, I do think that 
I would still be willing to bring it back there with just the typical bring back thought process. If Matt Ryan really hits that top 10th percentile outcome, you know, throws for 350 yards and three to four TDs, uh, the Saints are going to have to be scoring some points. So maybe, maybe a, an interesting way, say you do want to double stack Julio and Calvin. I mean, maybe you bring it back with Cook and you get like a cheap piece to bring it back. So you're not um, as exposed to Taysom sinking the offense. But I also like Hurst. I think my preferred way to double stack would be, I think ultimately the hand builders are going to gravitate toward Julio. We've seen this play out every single week where the guys coming off injury, people want like the prove it week. And yet we see Devontae Adams, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey come right back and produce. So I like going with Ridley and then uh, maybe bringing it with Hurst. And uh, if not, though, I think you could bring it back with Cook on a double wide receiver build. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a single tight end north of 4,900 this week on DraftKings. We don't even have to talk tight end on FanDuel. We know the obvious answer. But Hayden Hurst has been pretty impressive, right? He's got double-digit fantasy DraftKings points in four straight, which... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A, a, a position that has a dearth of options every week. It's really not that bad. He's seen seven plus targets in three straight weeks as well. So I don't think he should go ignored, as you pointed out. Yeah, and this week, you know, I feel like what we've realized now with tight end is, or at least what I like to do is I want to pay down. I don't want to pay up. I, I want to make sure these guys aren't heavily owned. And then I just correlate it. You know, if I want to get the tight end tossed in with my double stack or the bring back and just know, hey, I'm making a bet on this game and tight end so gross and maybe that rising tide will lift the tight end boat. Alex, there's a, a very good chance this week that Kirk Cousins throws the football. I don't know. 15 times uh, in this this tilt against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure anyone would be surprised. We've seen this happen before where Dalvin Cook takes over. They need nothing from the passing game. They're at home. They're big favorites. Dallas has nothing despite the return of Andy Dalton. Their run defense has been gutted week in and week out by good and bad running backs alike. Um, we already talked about how much you like Dalvin Cook. I know Pete's big on Dalvin Cook as well, but can we turn it all towards the passing game here with someone in Justin Jefferson who's been electric in his rookie campaign, Adam Thielen coming off a two-touchdown week, or is this just all run game to you and you're, you're, you're doing your best to stay away from the aerial attack? I think uh, I don't hate Dallas this week because they do have Andy Dalton back. When Dalton started week six, I know he did poorly, but they threw the ball. 60% of the time at a neutral game script and they played at a fast pace. Um, so I think that there is encouragement that this game could have potential as a, a game stack where maybe you have Minnesota passing, but Minnesota rushing is definitely the preferred way to, to tackle this game. Dalvin Cook, he had been limited to around 20 touches, but he's gotten closer to 30 like a few times recently. So given that Minnesota runs the ball at the highest rate in the league in uh, games curve neutral situations of 55.7%. Um, 
I think that it's really hard to to think that there's going to be a lot of volume going to Justin Jefferson, even though he's been great when he has been uh, targeted. Uh, and you can also get this information on my new advanced stats page on the site. So um, Minnesota, they're they're far and away the the most run heavy team in the league right now. Your PC <laughs> ran into an issue. You have to restart. We're just collecting some error data, whatever that means. So I don't know. I'm a professional, Pete. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fly blind here. See if we can move over to this next computer and get down to business. Do you have interest in the the Dallas side? I, I know, generally speaking, the reflexive uh, answer to that would be no. Why would I have interest in an offense that's been garbage? But Andy Dalton is still an upgrade from Danucci or whoever else they decided to run out there. Is there any way you could say, hey, Amari Cooper or a dirt cheap Michael Gallup, but a discounted CeeDee Lamb, these guys make sense against a banged up Minnesota secondary, or should we just steer clear of this situation? No, I'm a sicko. I look at Dallas and I'm like, I love these prices. I love this game. And, you know, you don't want to play Dalvin Cook necessarily as just a chalky one-off and in one way to build around it. If Dalvin Cook goes nuclear, which we know he can, well, then Dallas is going to have to pass. And these guys are so cheap. And like you said, Michael Gallup has gotten a lot of targets when it is with Andy Dalton. I even like Dalton Schultz this week. He's been getting a decent amount of air yards. Again, that whole idea of just punt it off at tight end, correlate it with your double stack. Um, so I, I really think all four of those Dallas pass catchers are viable, and it doesn't seem like any of them are going to come in over 10% ownership. And they are really cheap too, Alex. I mean, I, I, maybe it's crazy, and, and maybe this is something we shouldn't be avoiding, but I kind of side with Pete here in that there seems to be some potential hidden gems. Now it could backfire, but tournaments, you know, it happens. Um, the Dalvin Cook side is the obvious one. And I guess the issue is, do you ever, do you want any Andy Dalton lineups? But you know, is there a pathway to the Dallas Cowboys putting up big yards through the air because they're forced to play from behind? Definitely. Yeah. I think Dallas at the start of the year, I mean, they were one of the best offenses to target in DFS. Andy Dalton is a significant downgrade of uh, from from Dak. I mean, you don't really need me to tell you that, but uh, I think there is enough volume here to make it work. Now, this isn't really one of my favorite ways to tackle this slate, but I think if you're going to Amari Cooper or, or Lamb or even Schultz or Gallup, they're definitely kind of in play as contrary in plays. Okay, what about what about Ezekiel Elliott? It's been a tough go for him this season, but he's a mid six K price point. Ownership is is pretty low. There's a lot of other you know similarly priced quality options in that six K range. Uh, does Andy Dalton returning help him enough to force him into some lineups or just get him into some lineups? Yeah, I mean, Zeke is, he's a great GPP play, right? Because even just the mere mention of him, the, the chat's already saying, gross, how could I ever play Zeke? You know, Zeke has dusted all of this, but we've seen them willing to go back to him with this full bell cow role, give him the goal line touches as much as like, I think Tony Pollard's more talented. I do, but it doesn't really matter. And uh, if the team is going to continue to give him the, you know, 20 plus touches, including the high value ones around the goal line, uh, man, he's a great GPP play at this price. And also, like I said, you can, you know, late swap around him. He's a guy too, where you can pivot to if you're chalky early plays 
don't hit. And, you know, there are paths to Ezekiel Elliott outscoring some of those other running backs in the 4 p.m. slate uh, if you're buried. Pete, let's take a, let's turn the page to the Colts and Packers because there's, it's a strange game in that it has the highest total of the week at 51. But the Colts, you look at, you know, football outsiders, DVOA metric, they rank fourth in run defense and fourth in pass defense DVOA. They're allowing the fourth fewest points per game this year at 19.7. Um, Jair Alexander's expected back for the Packers, uh, yet it is the highest total game of the week. Is, is there a letdown potential here, or should we be saying, listen, they're good defenses, we get it, but they're also competent in many areas on offense, and that's where I'm looking to target yeah, this game's weird, the The fact that it has the highest total, um, but yet all the other kind of indicators seem like this could be a pace down game. Indianapolis doesn't allow a ton of big plays. You know, when we're looking for these shootouts, we want the bang-bang plays here, and uh, I do worry about that in this game. I'm starting to come around on Aaron Jones. I think, you know, he's kind of like the Derrick Henry, Will Fuller type, where when he's sub 10%, he's a great play. And when everyone's on him, he's not a good play because there's so much volatility to his usage and and touchdown expectations. So I'm coming around on that. This is not a game I'm going to stack up. Um, And the Colts make it so hard because they employ a committee at basically every single position. I do like Michael Pittman, at 4,500, but the tight ends are a disaster. The running back situation is a disaster. So this is a really tough game to stack in relation to the total. Alex, Pete brings up an interesting point, and it's something I've considered in the past too, that that Aaron Jones, and maybe it's anecdotal, but it feels like every time Aaron Jones is high-owned, he lets you down and vice versa. And we've seen it earlier this season, right? Early in the year, he was very low-owned, broke the slate, was, at the, was in every tournament-winning lineup. Last year, he had multiple games of three or more touchdowns. And then other weeks, Jamal Williams would get worked in enough to make Aaron Jones irrelevant at his salary. How are you approaching this game on that side and on the other side where the Packers' clear weakness defensively has been their run defense, but now we have to sift through the weeds and try and figure out which one of Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, or Jordan Wilkins is going to get the bulk of the carries? I think uh, the the way I would tackle this game, I kind of like the Aaron Rodgers contrarian stack. Indianapolis defense is solid, like you mentioned. But that means that Aaron Rodgers should have to throw the ball at a greater rate than he uh, he normally does. So um, on my new rushing page, I have Green Bay projected for the eighth highest pass percentage, which that's pretty good for them. Uh, so I think that Devontae Adams being such a high-volume receiver, that makes a really nice stack. Alan Lazard coming back off injury, that kind of throws uh, Marquez Valdez scaling uh, out of contention for my lineups. And Lazard is priced up a little bit, so I'm not really seeing him first game back. And then Aaron Jones, uh, I think he could be a contrary in play just because he has that huge upside, but uh, I, I definitely like the passing game more here. How much weight do you put <laughs> into something like this? It's your tool. You created it or you built it. We all use it. It's awesome. It's the top stack tool. Uh, it can use, be, be used in conjunction with ownership and so much more. The lineup builder, which while I'm on the subject, use the promo code Mayflower. If you're just watching the show for the first time, if you're just discovering Awesome or you haven't been able to watch all week and this is your first show and you haven't heard about it yet, listen up. For $1, all the way up through Thanksgiving, 
you can get the express pass for the NFL package. One single dollar, right? That's all it is. It'll get you in the door for the Osmo Express NFL package. That includes our Express Top Stacks tool. It includes the Express Lineup Builder, uh, rankings, and other stuff for all of the main slates. But here's the biggest thing. With the size of these showdown contests that we've seen, uh, you have to get an edge. You have to be using tools for these, and you get several of them every week. Not to mention, you're going to have a bunch of showdowns coming up on Thanksgiving. All of our showdown content on the site, every last bit of NFL showdown content from ownership projections to player projections to the rankings to the top players tool, all of that is included in this Express Pass. $1. Use the promo code Mayflower. Just do it now. Do it right after the show. There's no reason not to if you're not a premium sub. Easiest way to get your foot in the door for absolutely nothing. You got till Thanksgiving, but I'd suggest doing it today. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, My DMs are always open, at Lafayette underscore D. All right, um, Alex, sticking with you quickly here at the top stack uh, tool, the Packers, and you don't see this a lot, they have a 3% ownership on Aaron Rodgers right now, but the second highest top stack probability north of 11%. Does that jump off the page to you? Definitely. I think this week we're seeing that the optimal line of construction is punting QB, which hasn't really been the case. It's mostly been sped up options. And the other factor is the top of the range really isn't super strong this week. You got uh, Kansas City uh, and Tampa Bay playing in night games, as well as Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, who just played Thursday. Those are four of the top QBs so far this year that aren't on the slate. So I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of stands out as a really good option, given that... uh, I mean, the ownership is so low, and we know that he's been one of the more successful QBs this season. Pete, if you had to go with one running back (laughs) on the Colts side, right, metaphorical gun to the head, who would it be? Yeah, I would go with Naheem Hines here too, where, you know, if if this top stack, you know, hits and the Packers are putting up a lot of points, we've seen Naheem Hines be that guy who is going to be used in the pass game, and he's also their most explosive guy at this point. I mean, any guy who can do backflips in the end zone, I think, you know, break all ties in favor of him. So, (laughs) yeah, no, I I do think Naheem Hines would be that guy, and he's cheap, and I do think you're going to see um, some ownership in that price range if people play Geo or even McKissick. Hines is kind of a natural pivot there as well. So you could get that whole skinny stack and a bring back at like 10 combined points of ownership would would be pretty nice. Red CYC or Red Six Sports with a $25 super chat. He says, love all three of you guys. Appreciate you, man. All of that support. Greatly appreciated. Uh, Hopefully it brings you some good luck this week. Uh, Lafayette, you guys can um, PayPal me (laughs) $8.33 after the show. Thank you. It ain't tax-free, fella. (laughs) What do you say about uh, the, the Adrian Peterson spot here? Or I should say the absence of DeAndre Swift in this uh, Detroit game, because listen, Wednesday, you do your uh, Swolecast show. I'm sure you guys talked about Swift before we got that injury news. Uh, He would have been popular. I love them against an inferior Carolina defense. Now you're without him. You're also without Kenny Galladay um, and could be without Bridgewater as well. Is there any way that you want to specifically target Detroit with these, these big time inactives or are you sticking or steering clear? I think ultimately I'm going to steer clear of here. I think if I did have to play one of them, just based on looking at the ownership, I think Peterson and carry are going to project fairly similarly. 
And I think most of Adrian Peterson's work is going to be on the ground where carry on Johnson, I think will slide in and get a lot of that pass work. Deandre Swift was getting. And again, this was a highly drafted, very athletic, talented dude who has now just been, you know, completely cucked. I'm sorry. Second round by, pick just a by, couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. By Deandre Swift. So I'm always breaking ties in favor of the younger pass catcher. And it looks like he's going to have half of the ownership of Adrian Peterson. So if you're playing one of these, I, I lean carry on Johnson. Yeah, the man was drafted in the second round just a couple of years back. We had high hopes for him, especially for those of us dynasty players. He was, you know, he was a pretty big asset if you landed him in the early first round. Uh, not the case anymore, Alex. Adrian Peterson refuses to, to, to bow to father time, and here he is expected to get the starting role, but we don't really expect, expect much involvement on the, uh, through the air, right? Yeah, I mean, Kerryon Johnson is definitely the guy that's going to get most of the passing downs. And then Adrian Peterson, I mean, he's gotten a lot more rushing attempts this year than, than Kerryon Johnson. So 100 rushing attempts to Kerryon's 31. Both of them played every single game this year. So, I mean, we got to really think Adrian Peterson's, as you guys said, going to run the ball. Most of the attempts, or a majority, Kerryon Johnson is going to be running the routes. And that makes me like both of them uh, because they're both really cheap and it's going to be hard to predict one to have a breakout game over the other. So I think uh... it is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Maybe if everyone is uh, being donkeys and putting Taysom Hill at QB. And then when you can get him at tight end, then then carry on Johnson, Adrian Peterson. Maybe those are some good value plays. Ace King asks, who's the tallest employee at Osmo? Uh, I don't know about employee. I'm like six, one and a half. I got to be up there it's, it's somewhere. But our CEO, Tom, is like, what is he? Seven, seven, Alex? <laughs> at least. At least, yeah. He's big, man. For the, well, the first time I saw him, I was like, wow, that's someone that is significantly taller than I am. What about you, Pete? What, what are you standing at? I'm like right there with you, man. Six, one and a half. I mean, okay. we're the Eskimo brother thing. It's just lining up <laughs> in every way. Yeah, I can't believe it's the first show we ever did together. I mean, the fact that we're the same height, this is crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> we both have backwards hats on. My God. <laughs> we're living in a simulation. Pete, do you like anything from Carolina and how are you approaching the quarterback situation right now? Yeah. Um, the quarterback situation definitely gives me pause. Uh, I saw a report earlier in the week too, where if Teddy Bridgewater is out, they might do some kind of uh, mashup with Will Greer and PJ Walker. Um, you know, as a, as a guy who was a former XFL thought leader, I am very excited about the prospect of PJ Walker playing a full game. He played the air raid office there offense there for the, the Houston roughnecks and he'll, he'll push the ball down the field. He's not scared to make uh, tight throws, but I do think this is a knock for the pass catchers. I will say though, I have interest. I'm a masochist. I'm willing to go to Mike Davis again for like the eighth week in a row. 6,800 isn't going to get a ton of ownership. We know that this Detroit run defense has been really bad this year. And also you have to imagine maybe they give him a few more carries this week 
because they're not going to be throwing the ball as much. So this is another game I'm probably not going to stack up, but I'm definitely interested in pieces. Uh, that's a good segue, Alex, into a price range that's kind of been giving me fits on DraftKings this week. Maybe you can help us piece it together. Uh, the 6K range on DraftKings at running back is really wild, right? You have uh, Miles Sanders at 6,900, coming off of a game where he was a lot more efficient and better than people would like to give him credit for. Doug Peterson's just dumb a lot of the time. Uh, and, of course, Boston Scott and Corey Clement both scored. So that's besides the point. Mike Davis at 6,800, who Pete just mentioned. Then you have James Conner against Jacksonville, double-digit favorites. He's 66. Ezekiel Elliott at Minnesota, thick 65. Uh, Swift isn't playing, but uh, even James Robinson, who's been seeing an insane amount of opportunity at 6,400. The list goes on. Uh, is there any clear favorite in, uh, or maybe a 1 and a 1A for you in that range? Man, I I honestly, like, I don't love this range. Um, it, it's... Uh, it's tough to say because Miles Sanders, I mean, I, I kind of liked him some weeks, but tough matchup versus Cleveland. And then you got uh, murmurs out of Philly that it's going to be more of a committee approach going forward. Uh, that kind of went along with the signing of Jordan Howard, who I don't expect to be ha- active this week, but that kind of makes me wonder if Miles Sanders will be the workhorse we expected. Chubb and Hunt, we got them as a committee that neither one is really going to be a great value. And then Connor, they just don't throw the ball a lot. Uh, or sorry, run the ball a lot in Pittsburgh. So the guy that is in this range that I get to, I guess, would be James Robinson. Now, uh, the matchup versus Pittsburgh is is really tough, but the volume can't be beat for James Connor or James Robinson because uh, – Chenault is out. You got Chris Thompson out. So those are two guys. They give rushing attempts in Jacksonville that he's not competing with anymore. And then he's also been running all the routes out of the backfield too. So he's game script proof. I don't feel great about the matchup and the touchdown equity, but I, I just feel like the volume is so much higher than the other guys above him. Yeah. And Pete, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this, maybe this, we look back after, after Sunday night and say, this is a, a range that just let us down uh, in a number of ways. But outside of Mike Davis, who you mentioned, is there anyone that, that you really like here, knowing that there's just an insane amount of guys that can get 20-plus ca- uh, touches, 20-plus carries, uh, receptions, you name it, in this price range that stand out to you? Yeah, I, no one I love, but I do. I'll double down on on Alex's James Robinson call. And I think the Chris Thompson thing is actually pretty uh, impactful because his routes per drop back uh, really bumped up last week to where he was already getting massive usage just running. And then you toss in that pass work and he's basically game script proof. So even if you're worried about that, you know, that matchup there, I think his usage is going to be so good. And we've seen them in bad game scripts. They'll just run their entire offense through James Robinson. So if you are doing big Ben double stacks. I mean, generally we don't want to do the running back projected to be on the bad side of the game script in the bring back, but I actually think this is a unique case and at his price tag and ownership, I think it's perfectly viable. I'll throw Miles Sanders in there. Um, you know, I always get called a homer for this, but believe it or not, I haven't played a ton of Miles Sanders this year. However, he has that big play potential that I think at single digit ownership at like 8%, 
still stands out to me in tournaments, right? He's got two 70-plus yard runs this year, even though he missed a bunch of games. He'll he'll run routes. I mentioned with Kyle Dvorak and Matt Kajewski on Wednesday's show that you'll see him lined up uh, in the slot. He'll run wheel routes. He'll get targeted 20-plus yards downfield. As a running back, those are things that stand out to me. So while Miles Sanders uh, has had some underwhelming games overall, this is still a player who's averaging six yards per carry on the season and is a very talented pass catcher. If Miles, uh, if Carson Wentz can put the ball somewhere in the vicinity, which has <laughs> been an entirely separate issue this season. All right, uh, let's keep it going. We got about 21 minutes to go. Hit that thumbs up if you guys haven't done so yet. And maybe you didn't think we'd talk about this game, Alex, but I'm going there. The New York Jets and the L.A. Chargers, they're 10-point dogs in L.A. The Jets are, sorry. And you're seeing a lot of ownership going towards the Chargers, virtually nothing going towards the Jets side of the ball. But maybe maybe there's a, maybe there's a way that, that this game happens to see good stackability against the Chargers defense that we've seen crumble week after week after week, no matter how large the lead has been going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers season this year has been pretty crazy. That being said, I mean, the Jets have been the most miserable offense, and except on one game where they played the Patriots, where they just went off on showdown. It was a fun so, game. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not interested in the Jets, though. So, uh, old Michael Pirine, they said they're going to feature him more coming off this bye, and he's really cheap this week. Uh, so I think he could be a guy that isn't on people's radars because he really hasn't done much so so far this season. And then you got some good receiver talent with Crowder, Mims, and Perryman. Uh, I think all those guys uh, have potential. The guy I'd look at this week is Mims at 3,300 being one of their high draft picks this year. I think that uh, they have the motive to get him uh involved and also you're getting a really good price so that'd be the direction i'm going with the jets yeah pete similar question to you uh the only ownership you're seeing for for the jets is really uh denzel mims and it's not like he's getting exorbitant ownership whatsoever joe flacco is willing to throw downfield like he will chuck it it's just a matter of whether or not he can get it to his receivers do you have any interest in this game from the Jets and the Chargers side? And if so, talk to me about your strategy, what you plan on stacking and approaching those. Yeah, I think this is actually my favorite game right now for DFS. My favorite lineup I've built has been a Herbert double stack here. And like you guys said, there's so many, I think all those bring back options are available. And, and like Alex, I prefer going cheap with Mims or paying up to get Crowder just because we know he's going to get the targets there and has a nice red zone role as well. Probably has the highest ceiling still out of those guys. But the reason I like the Herbert double stack a lot is again, it feels to me similar to when the Chiefs played the Jets a few weeks ago and there were blowout concerns and people just didn't want to touch it. But it's like, well, they're going to put up points to get to that blowout. And Herbert has such a fantasy-friendly game. And then the other thing is, is like I think you play Keenan Allen with Herbert, but then your secondary pieces are all going to come with really low ownership. If you want to go Mike Williams at 5,100, I think that works. And I also like Jalen Guyton at 3,500. He had his season-high six targets last week. And then on top of that, we've seen his kind of big play rapport with Herbert too. So uh, I think paying up for one of, uh, or just getting one of Mike Williams or Guyton in there too, and hope for one of those plays that really speed up the game, uh, I think would be a, a really nice way to attack that game. 
Have you ever seen someone shave their head or close to it and go from looking like maybe 23 or so to looking like they're legitimately haven't hit puberty yet? Yeah, he went like, you know, you, when you get up close and, you know, he's dealing with kind of the acne breakouts and stuff that kind of, you know, you know, tears away the illusion. But when you see him from afar with that hair, he looks like a California surfer dude, you know, alpha male. Right. And now he he looks like an eighth grader. I mean, I comped him to <laughs> Brendan Dassey. Some people were upset with that comp, but uh, it's not a, not a great look for Herbert. Uh, but that's what we love about these guys having the helmets on. We can just picture them as warriors and not like eighth grade boys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, the only issue I ever have with Justin Herbert and stacking the Chargers is that Justin Herbert doesn't discriminate when it comes to who he's going to throw to, right? We've seen Guyton. We've seen Donald Parnham. We've seen, uh, you know, I'm forgetting the, uh, who was the, uh, Virgil Green. It, it, the list goes on and it sucks sometimes because Hunter Henry's a talented uh, tight end. Keenan Allen seems to get his pretty much every week. But there's no doubt there have been games, particularly the one against Jacksonville, where they rack up a ton of scoring, but it's just spread around so much that it kind of hurt the stacks. Right. Yeah. There have been some weird outcomes with the touchdowns where Herbert threw a bunch and then it wasn't any of the guys that we had. And that was frustrating. I don't love the Chargers this week. And the reason why is they just don't throw the ball at a high volume. They've ran the ball 48% of the time in neutral game scripts. That's the fifth highest in the league. And in a matchup where they're big favorites versus Jets, I'm projecting a lot more run volume. Uh, And the guy that I'm kind of keying in on in the Chargers is Kalen Balazs. I've seen him mentioned a bunch this week. He's kind of a hot play of the week. Um, But in the past two weeks, he's averaged two-thirds of the running back carries. He also ran routes on half the plays last week. So the volume is there. The matchup is amazing. And he's not even expensive. So killing Blash for me from the Chargers. Sounds like yeah. we're on different sides. You want a head-to-head battle? Let's do it. <laughs> Thunderdome. I'll roll out that stack. You roll out Balage, and we'll just see where the chips fall, Alex. I've always, wa- idea. I've always wanted to do a head-to-head GPP challenge. I know. We, <laughs> we, need, we need to make it happen here, you know? I'm just, but I'm going to wait until Julian Edelman is back playing before we do that. Let's get it going. Set it up, boys. You just didn't understand the thesis of that play. (laughs) Um, I I like Herbert a little bit. I mean, yeah, comparatively, there have been games where they're passing less than other teams, but I don't know, three of his last four games, he's thrown 42 plus times. They're running a lot of plays and I don't know. Call me crazy. I just don't believe that Kalen Bellage is good. Every time I think <laughs> of this guy, I picture that one play where it literally looked like he was intentionally throwing the game. Uh, but <laughs> besides the point, I'm sure you guys remember that play. Besides the point, I, I still think there's enough here. And look, the Jets are not a good team at all. But their run defense is at least far less suspect than their pass defense. I think they could get carved apart through the air. And I actually don't mind some of these cheap runback options. Like Mims is almost minimum salary. Brashad Perriman has the upside. He's cheap as well, coming off that monster two touchdown hundred yard game. I I like this here. And I'm willing to I'm willing to take the L when it turns out that they run like 40 times, but I do think there's a lot of potential. Um Pete, one game that I'm I'm a little bit less certain of is Tennessee and Baltimore. This game has the, is tied for the second highest total on the slate at 49 and a half. Uh, but Lamar Jackson, 
how do you how do you stack him with anyone right now? Marquise Brown has finished with uh, less than ten fantasy points in four straight and six of his nine games this year. Mark Andrews hasn't been all that much better. Like you certainly can't double stack him, but even a single stack lately has been a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, there actually is a skinny stack I like with him because I think everyone's going to gravitate to Lamar Jackson, uh, to Mark Andrews. I assume that the kind of, you know, Lamar Jackson, Alex hasn't projected 9% ownership. I assume, you know, in in basically 95% of those lineups, people are going to pair him with Mark Andrews. It's just a really logical skinny stack. I kind of like Marquise Brown. I know he's a little more expensive. I know he's disappointed. My buddy Ben Gretsch had a stat. Um, he has a .34 racer uh, which is means for every one air yard, he has just 0.34 receiving yards, which is a really unsustainable low rate. And everyone knows Marquise Brown's upside if he gets loose through the air. So I kind of like that direct leverage on the Mark mm-hmm. Andrews ownership in pairing him uh, with Lamar Jackson. Okay, so this same game for you, Alex. Feel free to take it, uh, hit it from any angle. Uh, Derrick Henry, 6% ownership. Like I said earlier in the show, no man's land. He's the only player priced at 8K, even in that range at all. The next closest is $1,000 more expensive in Alvin Kamara or $800 less in Aaron Jones at the position. The, 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 the whole game in general, it looks like Vegas has this and the public is on this to be a relatively high-scoring game. But if that's the case, are there any ways to attack it from a DFS perspective? Yeah, I think that uh, both sides are pretty interesting. Tennessee's offense this year has been one of the better ones in the NFL. So uh, the big problem with them uh, is the pass volume is usually low in a very tough matchup versus Baltimore. Maybe we can project a little bit more action to be going to to guys like Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. But the prices aren't really down to compensate for this, this tough matchup, so they don't look like great plays this week. Derrick Henry stands out as kind of the anti-optimizer play of the week where the chance that Tennessee runs away with this game is pretty low. But when they do, Derrick Henry it makes up such a large portion of the Tennessee offense that obviously that could win you a GPP. So that that's pretty interesting to me. And then I, I kind of like uh, Pete's idea to go to Marquise Brown. Uh Man, it's so hard to find anyone on Baltimore, kind of like the Colts, because uh, their running backs are a rotation as well, and Lamar takes so much work uh, himself. So uh, I think I'd limit myself to, to Brown or Mark Andrews. Okay. The only thing I don't like about Mark is Brown. It's like 5,800 to start the season. We'd be saying, okay, it's not bad. 5,800 now almost seems expensive for, for someone that – I'd have to compare it to his projection – uh, we have it awesome but it seems like it, it put it this way it's not a discount maybe maybe he's reasonably priced uh pete we just got news that uh joe mixon will be landing on the ir he'll miss at least three weeks uh enter giovanni bernard who's been getting the starting nod for a few weeks now since joe mixon uh was on was landed on the shelf do you have any interest in him this week against washington a good defensive front but a game that very likely doesn't flip negative game script too badly for Cincinnati. Yeah. The thing that's tough for me with geo is I look at JD McKissick, who's $300 cheaper has a similar projection and less ownership. And so I'm like, if I'm going to play one of those or say, I'm trying to build another piece within a game stack here, I think I'm just going to play McKissick, but I don't necessarily think Bernard's bad or anything. 
What about AJ Green? At, I, I know it's it's a horrible topic of conversation, Alex, but I've got to go there. 3,600. This man is almost the minimum, which is amazing because he's been targeted the 20th most times in the entire league this year. He is yet to score a touchdown. Some of these games, look at this, 13 targets, 9, 11, 13. And then he has games where, where Joe Burrow appears to look in opposite directions, having that luxury of being able to get to Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins. But um, T.Y. Hilton has burned many of us on many occasions this year, despite the decreasing price point. Is there any way that A.J. Green at 3,600 could put us in a good position for tournaments? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think you you covered all the points there. There's a lot of potential for volume. Uh, The other thing I love about Cincinnati receivers is just how much Joe Burrow has been throwing the ball at neutral game script. They've thrown the ball 63% of the time, which is one of the highest rates in the league. They haven't been very good at it, I'll be honest, but – it doesn't matter. You're just looking for that opportunity. And I think for the price, it far the opportunity far outweighs the price. Pete, same thing to you. Is there any interest in the passing game? Uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, and then on the opposite side, Terry McLaurin. I like J.D. McKissick. The target share under Alex Smith has been absurd. But um, how do you approach the rest of this one? Yeah, I have a, you know, Alex and I are different in that I have this natural age bias, so I'm just immediately <laughs> crossing off guys on the list uh, like AJ Green. That said, no wonder I mean, you do shows with that, uh, with Davis Maddock. That is 100% ex- exactly something he would say as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I will give some credit, though. I mean, it feels like something has to change, right? Because AJ Green continues to get this large target share, but he's been very inefficient with it. Whereas now we see T. Higgins really coming on. He had nine targets targets last week he's he feels like one of the most consistent wide receivers in the league right now uh so he's definitely my preferred option but if you are double stacking it um maybe it's a little harder to afford both t higgins and tyler boyd who i would prefer in a vacuum and if you're needing to save money i think the aj green uh you know, play is fine. And then on the other side, yeah, I like uh, McKissick because it seems like people are going to want to play more Gibson. And I mean, the way that they're using McKissick, I think in our heads, we're like, oh, he has a low floor, just these check downs, but they're throwing wheel routes to him in the red zone. They're giving him goal line carries. So I think he has more upside than people realize. And then, yeah, no one needs me to sell them on Terry McLaurin, just an absolute stud who has, you know, the underlying volume and uh, usage every week to be a home run hitter. You can't just take away the touchdowns from Gibson last week, but, you know, they are volatile, especially on a team that doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. J.D. McKissick, without any scoring, 15 targets, 12 the week before from Alex Smith, 14 overall. Yeah, I I think he's going to continue to be featured as a pass catcher on a team that outside of Terry McLaurin doesn't have much. Um, And by the way, A.J. Green, 1.7 yards of average separation this year on passes his way is the worst in the league, but some good receivers don't need to create a lot of separation to come down with contested catches. It's a matter of whether or not you want to get him at a discount. I'm willing to get there, but of course I am because he's burned me all season long. Alex, one game you wanted to talk about, then we're going to do our top plays and our top pivots of the week. Jacksonville at or at home hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, 10 and a half point dogs, We already talked about James Robinson. It appears you two are in agreement there that based on volume alone, he's viable. What about guys like Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, and Ben Roethlisberger coming off easily his best performance of the season against the Bengals? 
Yeah, last week's uh, performance versus the Bengals, where he he threw a bunch of touchdowns. I think Deontay Johnson got one, Claypool got two, uh, and they were all big in that game. They just kept throwing the ball. It didn't really. Uh, they didn't turn to James Conner in that situation. So that made me really uh, kind of enthusiastic about this matchup versus Jacksonville, whose defense also is really bad. Uh, so I'm, I'm not that worried about the game script kind of getting out of, uh, out of hand and the passing volume stopping because of last week. Now, uh, a neutral game script, Pittsburgh passes at the fourth highest rate in the league. So I just think that uh, there's a really tough uh, or a really good matchup and you got great talents with Claypool and Deontay Johnson. And I guess J- uh, Juju as well. He's he's been uh, turning it up recently. So uh, Ebron at tight end as well. I, I think you got a lot of options that you can go with here. Uh, just mix and match those guys, and you'll you'll have a solid chance. All right, Pete. Uh, pass catchers for Pittsburgh. And before we get to the final segment, anything we haven't hit on this show that you feel is important and uh, our viewers should know about. Uh, yeah, far as the Pittsburgh pass catchers, I do think just Deontay Johnson's price and usage makes him the preferred guy there, but I think the ownership is going to reflect that. Uh, I'm then, uh, you know, with my with my age bias, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, he's like a year away from the retirement home. So I'll go with uh, Chase Claypool here. Uh, you know, he's coming off a massive target games, 13 targets two weeks ago, 10 targets. He led the NFL in air yards last week. They manufacture touches for him at the goal line uh i think he's just an absolute stud and i just personally have a really hard time building ben double stacks without chase claypool all right um pete you're our guest so let's do this blue crew just gave us a five dollar super chat thanks brother he says starting feeling and t higgins a wide receiver kamara and zeke at running back need a flex pick godwin against the rams cup against the bucks mckissick against the Bengals, or chase claypool against the jags they had all these plays off the main slate, and I'm like, I don't even know. Uh, I know, these guys I know. Are playing but it's right a super now. chat, so I got it. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. We got. Just give me one here. Uh, Godwin sounds nice to me. Yeah, I think I'd probably go Godwin or Cup there. Uh, thanks for the super chat, man. Christian Smith Jackson with a thanks, Christian. Sorry, uh, Jackson with a Sneed as a skinny stack with Henry as a bring back. I don't know. It's really tough for me to to want to get Snead in there as someone that can break the slate. So uh, I'd I'd say no on that, but I don't know. Uh, Okay, top pivots, top fades of the day. First, follow Pete at Peter Overset on Twitter. Follow his YouTube or subscribe to his YouTube channel. Also, Peter Overset. And, you know, co-hosting with our boy Chris Baggs, who's joined us a couple times this year, the Splash Play Pod. Check that out. Uh, I'm assuming it's in the uh, it's in the app store or on a podcast. You can find it anywhere. Yep, yep. Splash play on on YouTube and iTunes. Do that with uh, Chris Bags, who, like you said, is hanging around here a decent bit as well. Very fun kind of uh, NFL uh, season long and DFS show. Awesome. All right, Alex, your top fade of the week. It doesn't mean you'll have none of them. So if you have a winning lineup and someone goes, oh, you asshole, you played him. It just (laughs) means that you intend on coming in underweight from what we're projected ownership looks like. Who do you have? Uh, There's some really suspect plays towards the top of the ownership, I'll be honest. So um, one that really stands out is Jacoby Myers. 
he's been lighting up the uh the box scores getting a lot of targets a lot of catches um the price is good at 4900 on DraftKings 6k on FanDuel the big thing here is that the Patriots passing volume is just so incredibly suspect they run the ball at the second highest rate in the league. They're doing everything they can to not pass pretty much with Cam Newton at QB. So I think there is a good chance that that target share uh, remains good, but then they just don't pass enough times to make that play work. And your top pivot of the week doesn't have to be off Jacoby Meyer, but your top pivoted lower ownership. Um, Let's see. Uh is this your first time doing the show, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I'll come back to you. Okay, okay. Pete, nice. top pivot, top fade of, or top fade, top pivot of the week. Uh, yeah, I think my top fade, and it, it scares me, uh, but Mark Andrews at increased ownership. That it just, yeah, I mean, the, the reason it scares me is because his targets ticked up with Nick Boyle now on IR, but we've seen this offense struggle. We've seen them go away from him for long stretches. And in general, I feel like this year, fading chalky tight ends in that mid-range that don't have the Kelsey-esque target share has been so been good process. So as much as I love Mark Andrews, I think I'm going to fade him at that ownership. All right, who's your favorite pivot this week? Yeah, so I was thinking it through too with like, you know, I was back in week seven when we had the Alexander Madison chalk week and everyone um, played him. And then Justin Jefferson was just this beautiful leverage off of that. And it absolutely smashed. The issue this week is Justin Jefferson is going to be popular too. So maybe I win over the folks who love the old guys. And I say Adam Thielen here at 7.3%. That's where you can actually get leverage in this game off of the cook in Jefferson ownership. So I'm kind of gravitating there as one of my favorite pivots. I love it. I'll go with my uh, top fade. It was going to be, it was going to be Mark Andrews. I'm with you there. I'm going to go with Kalen Balazs here. They still have some healthy back uh, players in that backfield. I don't think he's good. Uh, and I think they're going to be able to open it up through the air. Uh, favorite pivot of the week, Miles Sanders. He's not egregiously priced. The guy has breakaway upside can rip off some huge plays and is involved in the passing game. So long as Carson Wentz doesn't collapse once again, Alex, are we ready for the top fade of our top pivot of the week? No, I need more time. No, I'm just uh, Buffalo wild wings. Can we send this into triple overtime? <laughs> we'll come back to you. All right. So mine is to a T for the dolphins. I say think, it, say it. No, I'm not saying it. So, Tagovailoa. <laughs> so I think uh, the last two games have really gotten out of hand for weird reasons from the Dolphins where one game they got like a bunch of defensive touchdowns the other game they just were up a lot there wasn't much passing going on so uh, I still think there's a lot of potential potential with him and you, you put him in a matchup versus Denver who uh, I mean they're they're just kind of they have one of the worst offenses in the league, which means that Miami's gonna have the ball more. Their defense is fine, but I like that increased volume. I think that uh that plus the fact you got two guys that are priced really well with Devontae Parker, who with Preston Williams out should command more of a target share. And then Jakeem Grant, the fact that he's five foot six still scares me a little bit. But he's getting the targets, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask too many questions. 
I think you got a nice sack there. Don't you Beautiful. you call you call Jakeem Grant one half of Tom Kennedy is what you normally say. Right? <laughs> Kennedy point five. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you. If you haven't done so, hit that thumbs up and subscribe. Get us to 50K. Make it happen. Come on. You guys are good people. It'll bring you good luck. We're all winners here. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows in podcast form if you don't want to come on the YouTubes. And if you're, ju- if you're jumping into any shows late, bring it back to the beginning or just wait till it's over and it'll pop up right on YouTube after we go live. Pete Overzet at Peter Overzet on Twitter. The link to his YouTube channel is down below in the description. Pete, anything else that you want to get out there before we head out? No, guys. I mean, I, I feel like we didn't cover it enough. I The more I think about it, I think Taysom Hill is a decent play on FanDuel. And I just want to know, uh, <laughs> let everyone know I have come around on that. So uh, thank you guys for having me today. It took some convincing, but we finally got there. Alex, final thoughts. Follow the man at AwesomeODFS on Twitter as well. Well, Pete, uh, I wish we could have gotten your thoughts on uh, the former XFL player that's starting. I guess you didn't like him, which was... I mean, you're the thought leader, so we got to all follow that example. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, got a really interesting week here, a lot of meme potential, as we've talked about. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about this slate is that, man, the, the chalk is just guys that aren't very good at football. And I think you can really mix it up this week. Uh, it should be a lot of fun, and I hope everyone has uh, some good luck. All right. Thanks as always, guys. We'll see you back here next week, week 12, 1.30 Eastern time on the contrary.